0: I'm going to have my wife come, and she's going to share today the word. Liz has, as you know, a super affinity for the Urban core, for St. Nicholas, actually for St. Aidan as well. I mean, she's uh, been on a journey for years, and I am just so happy to have her share with us the life and the way of St. Nicholas today. Let's pray for her. Mm -hmm. Lord, we thank Mm -hmm. you so much for Liz and what you are doing in her heart. Mm -hmm what you're doing. And we want to share in that today. We want to receive that today. And uh, Lord, it's so in keeping with this new year of Lord, just turning our hearts and softening our hearts and giving us a heart of compassion for the poor. Thank you, Lord. We want that. We desire Mm -hmm. to grow in this. And so Lord, just bless Liz to speak Mm -hmm. today about this amazing saint who has had an amazing impact and continues to have an amazing impact Mm -hmm. on your church, on your people, Mm -hmm. and on the world. Amen. 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 All right. So I guess um, the first question of the day is, who was he and why is he important to us today? He's a man who lived so long ago yet has a reputation that has endured through 1,700 years of church history. His feast day today arrives in Advent as we look forward to the coming of Emmanuel, which we embrace this morning so well. Pondering the appearing of the Christ child and preparing for the return of the King of Kings. But, as we all know, Christmas is 19 days away. And if you're like me, the tree's up. Last night, while I was uh, reading, our emails were flying back and forth with my kids about the Amazon wish list. (laughs) That's how we do it in our family. So Christmas is on us, whether we like it or not. In our modern Western world, the ultimate and most recognized of all gift givers is Santa Claus. And Nicholas is the inspiration for all of it. Santa Claus is coming to town. Christmas morning, the only morning in America when families with children never need an alarm clock. It's a race to the room with the Christmas tree to see who gets there first to behold mountains of wrapped presents that weren't there the night before. Hung stockings are stuffed with candies and goodies. My parents, like most parents in the 60s, fully embraced all the folklore around Santa Claus. Santa decorations were everywhere. I remember anxiously wondering for weeks if Santa would get it right, if he got the update, that I really wanted the easy-bake oven and not the Barbie house. What would, Would Santa get it right? And how would he get down our chimney? We didn't have a fireplace. On Christmas morning, I stood in awe, staring at the empty milk glass and cookie crumbs left on the coffee table. As life happens, an older kid who was a friend of our family burst my childhood wonder one day and pronounced with surety, Santa's not real. It's your dad who sets up the toys. Uh. Santa, as he is known today, was the result of the melding together of many European traditions. In 1822, the poem, T'was the Night Before Christmas, was written describing St. Nicholas as a jolly, fat old man dressed in a red suit carrying a bundle of gifts down the chimney. This was the first time Saint Nicholas was associated with Christmas Eve and described in this way. The poem is written by a father for his own children, but was introduced to local newspapers by a family friend. She was enthralled with the poem. As you all know, it is known the world over. From the inspiration of the story, Coca-Cola in the 1930s ran a very successful ad campaign that had this jolly red-suited man plastered on everything and everywhere. Later, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade made him the star attraction, and movies and songs followed. Our culture became thoroughly imprinted with Santa Claus as our symbol of generosity and gift-giving. So who is this St. Nicholas that was in the memory of the father who wrote Twas the Night Before Christmas? He was born around 280 A.D. and died around 340 A.D., He lived in what is modern-day Turkey on a coastal town on the Mediterranean Sea. The earliest known biography of St. Nicholas was penned around 814 by Michael the Archimandrite. We know that he was raised in a devout Christian family, and he was an only child. He also became orphaned. His parents died during an epidemic, and he inherited great wealth. He was then raised by an uncle who was a priest and was trained in the monastery. He entered the priesthood and began to distinguish himself for his generosity and care for the poor. He gave away his fortune and was a champion for the needs of his community during a devastating famine. He became the bishop of Myra and served there until his death. He was jailed for years when there was a great uprising of severe persecution in 303 the jails were literally so filled with Christians and priests and bishops that they didn't have room for criminals that's a fact he was a member of the council of Nicaea in 325 which gave us the Nicene Creed Nicholas is one of the most revered and well-known Saints in church history There are volumes written about him. I've only studied a little bit about his life, but it is there's just so much written. There's just so much. There's so many scholars who have been fascinated with his life. After his death, he became a worldwide celebrity. In our day, it would be like the rock star. There are more churches named after him than any other saint except Mary. In the Eastern Church, he became known as a wonder worker, Stories of his character and the miracles attributed to him were carried by sailors to ports all over the world. He is the patron saint of dozens of occupations. Since I became aware of St. Nicholas and his profound memory in the church, I have wanted this feast day in Advent to be recognized by our church family. I know that there are legends and myths about this man, But there's one story that has survived that I feel gets to the heart of why he is so important to us today. Most scholars agree that this story probably happened, and this established his reputation as a Christ-like servant leader. As told by Michael the Archimandrite, Nicholas was, as a young priest, heard about his neighbor. Maybe... This neighbor wasn't even a follower of Christ. Maybe this neighbor didn't even count Nicholas as his priest. But, quote, one who was famous and well-born, but because he was squeezed by great poverty and lack of resources, he had gone from being well-off to extreme indigence. Another quote, he had three daughters who were shapely and very attractive to the eye. And he was willing to station them in a brothel so that he might acquire the necessities of life for himself and his household. This neighbor was in family crisis. The reality of the day was, if you didn't have a dowry for your daughters, no one would marry them. So he had three daughters who were, for all intents and purposes, destined for a life of misery. In desperation, this father was willing to sin himself and then cause his daughters to suffer sin and devastation. This had to have, I think, in my imagination, completely alienated him from his community. The disdain and fear of poverty was as great then as it is today. There's so much ashamed shame attached to what had happened to this family. Well, Nicholas was horrified, and he was moved by mercy, and he decided to meet their need in secret so as not to embarrass them and bring more shame on the family. Late one night, he took bags of gold coins and threw them through the window on three separate occasions. The first time that he threw the coins through the window, the father took the money had landed on his floor and he purchased his oldest daughter's dowry. This man was beside himself with thanksgiving to God. A second time, Nicholas, in, in the night, again threw coins through a window. Again, the father purchased the dowry for his second daughter. He was in shock and awe. He decided, at this point, I've got to find out who is doing this. So on the third night, he stayed up all night to see where those coins were coming from. Sure enough, Nicholas, in the dark of night, threw a third set of coins through the window, and the man ran out and caught him, grabbed him, fell at his feet in gratitude and tears. I just feel like out of so many stories of Nicholas, I believe this is endured because it touches all of us. The magnitude of a simple but generous act can have a profound effect. It's who Christians are. It's what we do. For me, the life application is just in the here and now. We see the poverty in our community in Kansas City. We see shame and brokenness attached to it. And it's just like, do we go about our days, do we shut off our hearts, do we become indifferent, or does it move us to mercy? Am I, I have to ask this of myself, distraught over how sin has diminished the humanity of too many who are created in his image can I move beyond indifference to prayerfully consider how I might help to cover someone's shame? Can I give time, which is very valuable in this day? Can I give resources? As Michael mentioned, we have made a connection with an organization called Amethyst Place, located on Troost in Kansas City, Missouri. This is a last stop for many women who are, have been devastated by life. Many of them are offenders, severe drug abusers, on and on and on. They've been victimized by their families. They have tragic stories, and they're in desperate shape. They're highly screened, and they're brought in to this community with the agreement that they will work in tandem with multiple counselors to begin to unlearn all of the bad habit patterns and and strongholds of thought that they've accumulated in life. When I was taking a tour with the director of Amethyst Place, she just casually said to me, yeah, I mean, some of these girls that have gone through the program, their mothers forced them into prostitution when they were young girls. So there's deep deprivation in the lives of many of these women's hearts and lives. And most of all of them in the program are single mothers. I have the privilege of mentoring a child in this school, Gordon Parks. And, um... This child's mother, natural mother, has lost maternity, maternal rights through the courts because of her neglect. Her father, who is a uh, convicted felon at this point in time, has a restraining order because he's not allowed to visit with the family. And you just think, what a burden for a fourth grader to bear. You know, this, this child is happy and a good student, but yet... Underneath all of that is just an incredible shaming history of her natural family. What a burden. Tom and Lynn work with an organization called Reconciliation Services that's also in Troost. And they're helping to tell stories of the devastation of people in this city who are thankfully really receiving love and care and are being restored because people, Christians, are taking time to be with them and listen to them and help them get their lives organized again. There's many beautiful opportunities in this city to reach out and extend our hearts to the poor. I hope that when we see and hear Santa beckoning us to give and receive gifts, that we will stop maybe and ponder what St. Nicholas modeled for us about mercy and generosity in giving. It's just our hope that as Michael's proclaimed that this would be the year of mercy and jubilee in our lives individually and corporately and this is just a first step as he mentioned as a community for us to begin to give out of our abundance and um, as I mentioned earlier in another setting that Um, they have welcomed anyone in to volunteer at Amethyst Place. Uh, Women love having mentoring. They are wide open to Christians coming in. It's not a Christian organization, but they are wide open to Christians coming in and coming alongside of these women. So um, as we pray later on, we will remember there's real faces that are going to be, real families behind what we're going to be able to deliver next week. Thanks for the opportunity to share my heart this morning. This is a a book that I came across called The True Saint Nicholas, written by William Bennett. This is a gem. If you're curious about reading more about um, Nicholas, he does an excellent job kind of summarizing the historical piece. And it's it's really a great read, fast read. And uh, there's so much more about Nicholas' life that I don't have time to cover. But this book does get into it a little bit more. So God bless you.